read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, from just from 1 to 12. And I just read again this morning, and I, I read the whole context, and read Matthew 4, and then into 5. And I've got to say, the chapters and verses are not inspired. They were not given by God. And sometimes they, they provide a wedge that actually ruins the flow. And so I'm going to read the last verse of chapter 4, and then into chapter 5. Let's hear the word of God, Matthew 4, 25, and the title of the sermon, by the way, is Christian Mark number 2, Spiritual Morning. Verse 25, and great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowds, he, he went up on, a mount, on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The title of the sermon this morning is Christian Mark number two. We're looking at the true marks of Christianity. Do you think there's a need for such a series? Or do you think we in the church, well, we know that now. Let, let's move on. No, if there's, there's an urgent need for people to understand what true Christianity is, and, and who better to sit at the feet of than not me. I'm a, I'm a nobody. I'm simply a human being. But we're sitting at the feet of Jesus. Have you ever heard of a movie? Maybe some of the younger people have. Um, I think it's Rocky 1, 2, or 3. But one of them, it, it, it has this song in it called The Eye of the Tiger. Uh, you know that song? And maybe some of you can even hear the, the beat in you right now. And what does it symbolize? It symbolizes the eye of the tiger. You know, if you go to Yorkshire Wildlife Park, there's some tigers there, aren't they? And boy, have you seen tigers? They, they look even more powerful than lions. And, you know, when, when that tiger oh, you know, has an afternoon nap and it wakes up and it looks and it sees a gazelle, it's known there's like a glint in the tiger's eye. And it's called the eye of the tiger. And that tiger is single-minded. 
And that gazelle, it's game over. Now, what I want to say is, when Jesus teaches here in chapter 5 and verse 1, seeing the crowds, he went upon the mountain, Jesus sat down, but don't make any mistake, he has the eye of the tiger. This is not a gospel that Jesus, will, will he succeed or oh, no? No, he sat, he sat down, and if we disobey what he teaches, we may well face that we will be cast out into everlasting punishment. So we better take seriously the words of Jesus Christ today, not tomorrow. Now let me just remind us before we get into the text and, and, and chapter 5 and verse, verse 3, no, verse 4, we can look at blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Let me just say this for a moment. What's happened so far is that Jesus got baptized. It wasn't Christian baptism. It was John's baptism. It was a baptism of repentance. And as he got baptized, the Holy Spirit came down and rested upon him like a dove. It wasn't a dove, but like a dove. And the voice of the Father spoke upon the Son who was getting baptized. And what did he say? He said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And from that moment, it was jumping into the boxing ring round one. And there was never any doubt in God's mind, the Son of God's mind, or the Holy Spirit's mind, that there would be anything except utter success. And those who do not bow before Jesus Christ, they'll be found, their dead bodies will be found in the street. Jesus is not to be messed around with. He is the Son of the living God. And what happened? The Holy Spirit led Jesus where? Into a five-star hotel? Perish the thought. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to face up and square to the enemy of souls who's called the devil, who's also called Satan. And Satan waited until 40 days when Jesus fasted and then came at his weakest point physically. Because let's not forget, he was fully God and fully man. He didn't come as some kind of superman. He came as fully God and fully man. He's our blessed redeemer. I remember my wife and I, we used to preach the word of God in old people's homes. and We used to love it, didn't we? And you know one of the hymns we used to love singing with old people? I'd preach the gospel and then we'd sing this. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. You know that hymn? Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. What a gospel we have this morning. But what happened? Round, round one, he was baptized. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Not partially. The Spirit of God in John's gospel says it remained upon him. Can you imagine? No sin. He was sinless. Now the Holy Spirit is remaining upon him. What's going to happen? Will the devil win? The devil comes and actually brings a temptation. Round two, Jesus says, it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The Son of God didn't say, get a concordance. Uh, uh, where's, my, where's my Apple iPhone? Uh, I can't think of what that verse is. He probably had memorized the whole book of Deuteronomy. 
He was ready for it. He was prepared. He's the son of God. He's not a mere man. Round three, the devil thinks, hmm, I'll come back and I'll quote scripture myself at Jesus. And so he misquotes scripture. He misquotes Psalm 91. He thinks, I've got it now. Round three, Jesus says, it is written. And quotes the scripture again. Well, what's going to happen now? Round four, the devil comes and quotes scripture again. What does Jesus do? He says, it is written. Worship the Lord your God. Notice, he's saying to the devil, God is your Lord. And serve him only. And then he gives him a command. Jesus gives Satan a command and says, away with you, Satan. It's not a suggestion. It's not the devil thinking, well, no, no, it's a command. He has to leave. And he walks out the door with a tail between his legs. Why? Because Jesus is the son of the living God. Now, he doesn't come here teaching and saying, you better believe me. If you don't believe me, you're going to perish. He's not some fundamentalist preacher. Notice what reading the word of God, it says, seeing the crowds, he went upon the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. But there's also a lot of crowds. Now, one or two things will happen for those people. We will either listen to the words of Jesus and turn away from our sin and turn to Christ. But woe to the man, woe to the woman, woe to the child who rebels against Jesus. Are you sat here this morning rebelling against Jesus? Or are you submitting to him? as much today as any other day in your life. Now, the second mark of the church here is, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And in Greek, in the Greek language of which this was written, you find that Jesus actually teaches this in Greek with what's known as alliteration. Do you know what alliteration is? It's where you use the same letter to help us in our memory. And what is, when Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, there's only a few words in that sentence in Greek. And both words Jesus uses, beginning with a Greek letter. Um, I wonder if you know what letter it is. I don't want you to shout it out. It's actually a letter pi. For those who like mathematics, one or two of you do, you'll know what pi is. So mourning in Greek begins with the letter pi, and to be comforted, parakaleu, they shall be comforted. If we know what it means to be comforted, we wouldn't be British. We'd be jumping up and down and leaping and praising God. This is not a funeral sermon. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The flow of the text tells us the intended meaning of what Jesus is saying. He's already said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And now he teaches, and there's a logical connection with every one of the Beatitudes. The next one is, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be what? They shall be comforted. Thanks, Nigel. Comforted. Imagine that. What an offer of the gospel this is. And it's not comforted in a funeral, because clearly the text is here. It's a spiritual mourning. Mourning for our own spiritual condition. 
And you don't just do it once. You have to do it. You do it once when you first come to the Lord. But then it happens at different seasons in your life. When the Holy Spirit brings fresh conviction. And you're left bowed down. You're mourning. Oh, Lord. Am I, do you feel like that? Is it just me? You think, I should be further down the road by now. Is it just me that feels like that? Not only it is. When the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, you feel, I feel like a spiritual baby. And you mourn and you say, Lord, I'm sorry, I've let you down. I had a row with the wife again. And that, that's one thing. But Lord, I had a row with her yesterday as well. And you think, wretched man that I am. But when you truly repent, the Lord comes to comfort us. What a beautiful Savior. Blessed Redeemer. Thomas Watson, he, he describes it uh, like this. He says that uh, blessed are they that mourn. And when he wrote this in 1660, in a book that he published, he said the mourning here is put here for repentance. So I've got three headings for us. It's repentance, relief, and righteousness. Repentance, relief, and righteousness. And we'll look briefly at the first R, which is repentance, which says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is mourning, which is put here for repentance. Thomas Watson says this. He said, here, these steps and the Beatitudes are leading to true blessedness. They, these Beatitudes, Thomas Watson says, they may be compared to Jacob's ladder, the top whereof reaches to heaven. And mourning is put here for repentance. Amen to that. Mourning here is put forward for repentance. So clearly there's a parallel here, the intended meaning of the text. So therefore we need to understand what true repentance is. If we don't understand true repentance, our repentance might be false like Judas Iscariot. It would have been better if he'd never been born, Judas Iscariot. Our repentance, if we don't understand what it is, it may be false repentance. Like Diotrephes, remember him, in 2 or 3 John. He'd never tasted and seen that the Lord was good. We may have false repentance like Demas who served with Paul and then forsook him, having loved this present world. What's Jesus teaching here in the Beatitudes? If you go and read Matthew 5 and 6 and 7. What's one of the main enemies that Jesus is now demolishing as the Son of God? He's beginning now as he teaches, blessed are those that mourn for they shall be comforted. He's demolishing religious false self-righteousness. There's nothing worse than false religious self-righteousness. People who think they know the word of God and therefore they're okay. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You have the scriptures thinking they'll give you eternal life. And yet you don't know the one whom Moses spoke about. It's me, Jesus said. Is your faith in Christ this morning? Is your faith in the Son of God? Do you not only confess Jesus to be your Lord, but you're willing to follow him to the very end? Though none go with me, I still will follow. Amen? We're not following Jesus because we've got some mates around us who are following him. We're going to follow him if nobody else does. No one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit to serve in the kingdom of God. 
So, you know, some of these young people that's on the front row, you know, you've only just begun. Let me tell you, it's a long race. If Jesus doesn't come back, it's a long race. And the race is not to the swift. The race is for those who endure. Are you feeling discouraged this morning? Endure. Press on. Don't quit. Jesus will help you every step of the way. Why? Blessed are those who mourn. He'll come and comfort us. And so we see here that we need to make sure we have the right religious mindset. Therefore, what's the compass? Blessed are those who mourn. It's from Jesus. The compass when you're mourning is to put your faith in Jesus. And what the devil will do, he'll say, yeah, look at you. Put your faith in Jesus. That's true repentance. There's a time to look at yourself and see your own spiritual condition. And then you've got to look away from yourself and you've got to look to Christ. Some of the simplest things that we have to deal with in Scripture are just said in a few words, aren't they? Do you remember these words? Jesus said, have faith in God. That's a knockout punch, isn't it? So are you putting your faith in God? Or is it... But, 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 but. You see... That's not going to help you. You may feel comfort, but it may be a false comfort of self-pity. We've got to put our faith in God, and Jesus needs to be the object of our faith. Remember Peter? Let's praise God for Peter. Do you praise God for Peter? At least he did walk on the water. He was the only disciple that did. But remember, poor Peter, he took his eyes off Jesus, and what did he do? Look to the wind and the waves. And he began to sink. Are you sinking this morning? You can be encouraged. Because if you're a true Christian, Jesus will never let you sink all the way. And as the water was going up, bup, 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 bup. imagine that. Just, you know, you're Yorkshire Wildlife Park and you're, you're in the water with the seals and the water's up to here. And you think, I'm going to go under. And then Jesus puts his arm, hand out, and lifts Peter up. What a faithful saviour we have. What a wonderful God we have. He doesn't condemn Peter. Remember the woman who was caught with adultery? I don't know what sins are afflicting you this morning. You could be completely ensnared with pornography. You may be sitting here today, and yet last night, you're in front of your computer, filling your mind with the most horrible filth that this planet's ever known. You could be like that. And you sat here this morning, and you're playing with sin. And let me tell you something. You play with sin... And that fire will burn you. And if you don't repent, you may face that burning for all eternity. So let's take Jesus seriously. He's not, he's not screaming. You know, sometimes street preachers, they, 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 oh, I, don't, I don't like it. They, they're almost barking at people. Jesus is not barking here. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And he's saying, come to me for that comfort. You know, as a wonderful preacher, he only died at 38. His name was Top Lady. And he wrote these words. If you're struggling with sin this morning, I want to give you the answer. It's Jesus. And he wrote these words. And he was persecuted, Top Lady. He says this, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, 
helpless look to thee for grace. Listen to this. This is a man who's mourning, who knows what it is to mourn for his own spiritual condition. Augustus Montague Top Lady writes, Foul I to the fountain fly. What does he pray and sing? Wash me, Savior, or I die. But before you're going to be washed, you have to mourn for your own spiritual condition. And then let's cling to Jesus and his cross all the days of our life. And keep coming back to Christ. What about Charles Wesley? He wrote a similar hymn for the one who's mourning for their spiritual condition. He wrote this, in Jesus, lover of my soul. You know that hymn? And it says this, Thou, O Christ, art all I want. Does that describe you this morning? Thou, O Christ, art all I want. More than all in thee I find. Raise the fallen, cheer the faint. Heal the sick and lead the blind. Just and holy is thy name. I am all unrighteousness. Vile and full of sin I am. That's the person who's mourning for their spiritual condition. But God never leaves us to simply say, vile and full of sin I am. Because that could be a false repentance. You could have a Muslim that could say that. You could have a Roman Catholic who doesn't know Christ that could say that. You can have an evangelical Christian who constantly goes on that they're vile and full of sin. But Wesley doesn't stop there. He finishes off with the comfort. Thou art full of truth and grace. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Which is our second heading, which is relief. And I've already covered it, really, but I just want to focus on one thing about this, this word comfort. It's a Greek word which begins with what Greek letter, Ali? Anybody? Pi. There we go. Our top student. Pi. Isn't that wonderful? Ever seen the film Life of Pi? It's got nothing to do with it. <laughs> so, Pi. And, and it's the word, Greek word, parakaleu, from which Jesus uses in John 14 and 15 and 16. And he says, he says the comforter's going to come. Remember those verses? The comfort is going to come. So therefore, the comfort for the true people of God will come, and it will be the Holy Spirit who will bring it to us. Because our first heading was repentance. The second is relief. And here we find a jewel that when you're trying to read your Bible too fast, on your way to work, you can miss it. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The comfort is a guaranteed promise which was sealed on Calvary's cross by the shed blood of Jesus. And God is not a man that he shall lie. When God promises, it will happen. So if you're feeling bowed down in recent times for your own spiritual condition, be encouraged. Comfort is on its way. Comfort is on its way. And what does comfort produce? It produces fresh joy. How is your joy level this morning? It can be higher or it can be lower. No, I'm not talking about you've had a good day. I'm talking about your spiritual joy. If, if, you're, if you've got true spiritual joy this morning, you know why you have? It's because you've come through of mourning for your condition recently and God has brought fresh 
repentance and comfort to you and showing you you've been messing around, you've been forgiven, giving you fresh assurance, and now he's brought fresh joy. A joy that God has given and that the world can never take away. What happened to David? He prayed, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. How's your joy level this morning? Because when there's true comfort that comes, that it becomes known as joy. And in Acts chapter 8, when Philip preached, he went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ, so that there was much joy in the city. How are you finding it this morning? I'm preaching to you. Are you sat here and thinking, I hate this? You might be. You might be sitting there thinking, I can't wait to get out of that door and get down the path. Or are you someone who just loves preaching? It's like bringing it on. I don't want to come to church, a true Christian. They don't want to come to church and be tickled with lukewarm sermons. Jesus hates lukewarm religion. Any amens in this house? Jesus hates lukewarm religion. And we have a lot of lukewarmness in evangelical Christianity in this country. And that includes you and I. It's not, well, I believe the Westminster Confession. I'm okay. Listen, rubbish. We've got to run to Christ. We need to be hot for Jesus. You know, sometimes Reformed Christianity, which I, I belong to that camp, but I look around sometimes, I think, are these people hot for Jesus? Have they got the eye of the tiger? They're going to follow that lamb wherever he goes. How many of us, if true persecution came, we would stand like Corrie ten Boom, or would we buckle and be a Judas and a betrayer, as many were in the Netherlands? Let's take Jesus more seriously today than we've ever taken him. He's the son of the living God. But he wasn't preaching like I just have. He simply says, we don't know how his intonation is, but he simply says, sat down, he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When Paul was preaching in Acts 13 with Barnabas, listen to this. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Do you know much about boxing? I don't, I've got to say that. But some boxers have the eye of the tiger and many don't. And the one who's had the eye of the tiger, whenever the next bout comes with some other champion, the boxer that's got the eye of the tiger, he's won that boxing match before he ever steps into the ring, just like Jesus. And let me tell you this, if you've got true spiritual joy this morning, you've got the eye of the tiger, because you've been comforted by the Holy Spirit. And people can see you a mile off, whether you've got true spiritual joy. If you're excited, listen, this is great reformed theology, is to be excited for Jesus. If you're excited for Jesus, people can see it from 50 yards away. It affects your countenance. You know, you're not walking around, you know, chest back, I was taught this, it's got, you know, that's nonsense, that's counterfeit. When the Holy Spirit strengthens you and gives you joy, and we might need that if we're thrown into a prison. Joy that comes from God. It says in Acts 13 that the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. If you have no joy this morning, examine yourself. Where are you going wrong? Where have you missed Jesus? 
and you need to pray for yourself, Lord, give me conviction that I would spiritually mourn. Why? So that you can be comforted. 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 Our third and last heading in our close. When I'm in this vein, I could preach for another half an hour, but I'm not going to do it. But we don't, we need proper preaching. I, I listen to preachers sometimes and I think, it's not even preaching. And people don't often know what true preaching is. But we need a recovery of true preaching. I can't imagine in the, in the years gone by, I would listen to John Knox and be sat there. <laughs> I don't believe that would happen. I honestly, I really don't. Because, and, and our Lord was not a boring preacher. If someone's boring, and they're boring every week, they're not called of God. If someone's boring, and they send people to sleep, they're not called of God. We need the anointing of God. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. And it doesn't break it off to be rebuilt. It destroys it. And the anointing is on Jesus in measure that had never been known ever in human history before. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall be comforted. And in closing, our third and last heading is righteousness. The first heading was repentance. The second heading was, Mike, relief. Thanks, Mike. He's got a woman's voice. Someone's <laughs> the third heading is righteousness. And I haven't got time to get much further this morning, but if you go through the Sermon on the Mount... The Sermon on the Mount is not a code of religious ethics. Jesus is unveiling the gospel in everything he says. And he uses the word righteousness. Why? He's tearing down. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And Jesus is now uh, he's in the boxing ring and he's tearing down those false religious citadels of false righteousness. And he's come from God in heaven to tell us the way, the truth, and the life. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And once we're, we're then comforted, we need to pursue true righteousness. Not only in terms of through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, but also in the way that we live. We will not tolerate unrighteousness. We will fight it on the beaches. We'll fight it on the streets. And we will never, never quit. We need fire again in the church. We need to be hot for Jesus. Remember, Jesus hates lukewarm religion. He gives a promise in, in Revelation 3. He says, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Is that your Jesus? Or is your Jesus, he'll just let us do what we want. Well, we look around this country and we've seen churches closed down left, right and center. Why? There's been a whole lot of lukewarm religion in this country for too long. And it's time for it to stop. It's time for it to end. It's time for Christians to get on fire for Jesus. Amen? Amen. To be on fire for the Lord. Righteousness. In 5 verse 6, Jesus says in closing, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Are you satisfied? Jesus says, if you're not, you're looking for satisfaction in the wrong place. True satisfaction is found through Jesus. We find in 5 verse 20, Jesus says this, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes 
and Pharisees, you will never enter in the kingdom of heaven. Why? That was a false righteousness. We've got to come to Christ for true righteousness. I'd love to say more, but 6 verse 1, he warns this, these huge crowds of false righteousness. He says, beware, listen to that, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. We're not practicing our Christianity to get marks from other people. We're, we're living our lives before God. Is that how you're living? There's only one person that we're permitted to fear. And it's Almighty God himself and nobody else. We're not to fear the devil. We're not to fear what other Christians think about us. We don't have to fear about what the world thinks. We're only allowed to fear God. How is your fear of God level this morning? Do you need to pray for yourself as I do? Lord, help me to grow in the fear of the Lord. It says also, Jesus says in 6 verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What a fabulous promise. He says, and all these things will be added to you. Well, I've got to stop myself and say, what a glorious gospel we have. And there's a whole lot more that can be said than what I've preached this morning. Thomas Watson, by the way, he has a book. And I can't wait to see who was the first person to get it from Lincoln or Sheffield. This Beatitudes by Thomas Watson. I think it's the best book in the history of the church on the Beatitudes that I've come across. Maybe some one of you will write a book and it will be better than that. He, he writes six chapters on blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So if you had Thomas Watson here next week and not me, this poor and needy preacher, you'd probably have another sermon next week on the same beatitude. But if God permits, and I'm still alive, and you are, and Jesus has not come back, Lord willing, next week we'll look at beatitude number three. I would love it if one of you, will even include people from London, you could get the book. You could ring me up on the phone and say, Pastor Kevin, listen to this. I'll say, boy, oh boy, oh boy, Mike, you've got some great mates. <laughs> well, let's come before the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you. The blessed are the poor in spirit. Father, we thank you for the word of God from, from the Lord Jesus. Blessed uh, are those who spiritually mourn for they shall be comfort. Give us all fresh repentance this morning and give us fresh comfort through this whole Sabbath day. In Jesus' name we pray.